Right, greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus. For those of you that just slotted in today, we're going to talk about the hope that there is inside Christianity. And I would like to explain hope in depth. Last week, we spoke about the difference or how repentance really works and salvation. Traditionally, we've had this idea that repentance is you repent from your sins. And then if you've repented from your sin, then God one day will save you from hell. Let me say that again. Traditionally, we believe that we would be saved from hell should we be able to repent from our sins. And in last week's message, we've clearly seen, and those of you that haven't watched that, you can go to our website, dynamicministries.com, and just uh, go under the Sunday Service Archive and find this message where I spoke about hope, oh, not hope, <laughs> I mean repentance versus salvation. And it will really bless you and give you a good understanding on what repentance is and what salvation is. We don't repent from our sins so that we can go to heaven. We repent from our wrong belief so that God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can save us from our sin and death. Let me say that again. We don't repent from our sin in order to go to heaven because if we could repent from our sin, why did Jesus come in order to save us from sin? Jesus came to save us from sin and save us from death. And in order to be saved, you have to repent. Repent simply means, and what we saw in last week's message in, uh, I think it was in Exodus 32:17, where it says that God was afraid that the children of Israel, should they go through the land of the Philistines when he led them out of captivity, that they would look at the difficulty of war and then they would repent and go back to Egypt. And what that would repent means is actually to find comfort. And what the word repent, one of the meanings for repent is to change your mind or to find comfort. And God didn't want the Israelites to repent and go back to Egypt in saying, well, um, I'm going to find consolation, I'm going to find comfort in going back. So repentance actually means to go back or to find comfort in going back where you see difficulty, where you see something that, that is a path that you cannot walk on, where you feel, I need a change and I need to go back. And now we find that that repentance, when we can see the, how God made it possible in Jesus Christ for us to go back to the original plan, to go back to what God has planned for us from the beginning, to go back to what God has brought forth in Adam, that innocence and everything there wherein he will be the creator and where he will, through the work of Adam, which was Jesus, where he would come and then bring forth a place or his kingdom in the earth wherein man can share in his quality of life. So when Jesus came and he preached repentance, what he said, always said, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is now at hand. So what he's saying is find consolation, find a change in mind, change your mind. Let's go back to the original. Why? Because the original kingdom is now here. The original kingdom is now here to manifest and to bring forth the very life of God. That is what it is all about. That is repentance. And now, 
what we said last week is we repent from our wrong beliefs and in this repentance from a wrong belief, we find then that Jesus saves us from sin. Now, <clears throat> when we look at ourselves, we should never look at ourselves as just guilty before God or just bad sinners or anything like that. The only, if you want to call it negative way, where we can look at ourselves is we can confess our inability to, by our own works, manifest the very life of God in us. It is impossible. That confession we can make and that weakness we can acknowledge. I, I would say that is how far it goes. That, that's as far as what it goes. That is what we can acknowledge. And now, from this repentance of thinking that we can, by obedience to the law, bring forth the life of God, and then believing that there is a man at the right hand of God, Jesus Christ, and that his life is my life, or that his victory is my victory, in believing that, we find that the Holy Spirit, in the here and now, saves us from, um, from sin. And that word sin there, I would uh, define as not partaking in the life of God. In other words, if you've got weakness in your life, if you've got distress in your life, this morning I preached uh, in a farming community down in Bredasdorp, and I said, if you sit in the stress of not having a harvest because there is drought in the country or drought in your area, and you are in the stress and the fear of losing everything, God looks at that stress, He looks at that fear, and He says, my child is not sharing in my quality of life because he's stressed out. And then He comes, and this is what He says, He says, repent from what you believe about this situation and believe what I say about you. In other words, look at the resurrected Jesus, Look at Jesus as the truth about your life. And as you behold the truth about your life and what it promises, the hope it brings, you will find that I will save you from your stress. Where we thought that, um, especially in the old word of faith teaching is, if I stress, that means I've disqualified myself and God can do nothing for me. No, if you stress... That qualifies you for God to save you from your stress. That's how it works. You see, we've always had a message of exclusion, where in the moment you do something wrong, it separates you from God and it excludes you from the love of God. But that is not true. Because the gospel message is the message wherein Jesus brought forth a new reality and He brought forth truth. He ended the old. He showed forth a man at the right hand of God. And as we behold that man as our truth, we are now repenting. We are saying, I cannot raise myself up by the law. I'm not special because I'm a Jew. Um, we're repenting from, should you be a, a Gentile, from your false gods and all your systems wherein you are thinking you can have life. Why? Because you see no more need for any of those systems. For anything and everything you've tried to attain through those systems is now proven as a fact given to you in the resurrected Jesus that includes all of us. Now, at the moment you see that, you find no more need for the law system. And the moment you find no more need for the law system, you have now been separated from the very thing 
called works righteousness that actually brings forth sin and death in your life. Now that is a mouthful and we can talk more about that and I can re-preach the, the old message again, but that's not the goal. I want now to go deeper into this salvation part. Now remember, you repent from a wrong belief and God saves you from sin. You don't repent from sin so that God can save you from hell. You repent from a wrong belief and in the repentance of the wrong belief you find that God saves you from sin, sin defined as the fruit of the flesh in your life or wherever and in whatever you are not experiencing the life of God. And I found in my life that that is not just always a one second thing. It is something that you walk in a relationship with God and God works those things out and He brings forth a brand new life like you would find in all of the things in nature that shows us how things work. It is a seed that is sown, it germinates, it grows and brings forth a plant that is like unto the plant that produced the seed, which is in our case, God Himself. So that, that is how it works. We repent from our wrong belief and God saves us from sin. And the way this salvation takes place and the way we experience the fruit of the Spirit, that is what I'm going to discuss today. Now I would like to read um, from Colossians 1 and verse 3. It says the following. It says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto all of you, and is um, as it is in all the world, and brings forth fruit as it does also in you, since the day you heard and knew it, knew the grace of God in truth. So what he's saying here is that they are praying, and, and listen carefully to this passage. He says, we give thanks to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Praying always for you. And from what moment did Paul pray? He says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So Paul didn't pray for these people before they believed. After they come to faith, and this faith here also in the Greek is faithfulness. He says, since we heard of your faithfulness in Christ Jesus. That faithfulness wasn't faithful to live right all day, but faithful to the good news wherein they now not mixing. One day they believe the good news, next day they believe the law. He says, we've heard of how you really got the good news and how you stick to it. That's what he says. Since we heard of your faithfulness in Jesus Christ and of your love which you have to all the saints, saints in this case, um, in, in, and this is the way some of the stuff I read up on it, the saints actually points to the Jewish people. So he says, you Gentiles now, something amazing happened to you. I see that you are faithful to the message of Christ and you're not turning away from it in the midst of persecution. And I see that you're loving the Jews. That's a major thing. That is a sign and a wonder and a miracle. Because these Gentiles it was difficult for them to love the Jews because the Jews, it would be like in South Africa, finding people that were oppressed and um, uh, 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 beaten up and ill-treated by the 
people that were driving the apartheid system, and now all of a sudden, they hear the good news, and you c we now having a message going around to different towns on how these people love those that used to oppress them. And that's why Paul said, well, something really happened. The, this is a God-born thing, and then Paul wanted that to continue to live and flourish in that area and all over the world, and that's when he started to pray, and that is the platform from where he was praying. He says here, since we heard of your faith, of your faith in Christ Jesus, or your faithfulness in Christ, and of your love which you have to all the saints, now listen to this, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. I want to just read that from a different translation here. I think this is the English Standard Version I'm going to read here now. He says, We pray, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have to all the saints because of the hope that's laid up for you in heaven. Now remember again, let me just go back to what I'm trying to say. We said we repent from a wrong belief, and as we repent from a wrong belief, not repent from sins, repent from a wrong belief, then we are now saved from our sin, or we are saved from the fruit of the flesh by the working of God. And how does this take place? This is now what I'm explaining. <clears throat> this salvation, or this brand new life, where we find love and peace and all those kind of things, is because of the hope that was laid up in heaven. And he says, this hope you heard when the gospel was preached to you. And now it goes on, it says, and this message of the truth, or this message of the hope, which is now laid up in heaven, which I'm going to explain what this hope is. He says, this hope that's laid up in heaven now, when you believed this hope, and when you got hope, true hope, as intended in, in the early church times and by God, when you got this hope, your physical life today changed. You got rid of hatred, you got rid of separation, you found life in you, you found love in you, you find all kinds of radical changes starting to take place of you on account of this hope. In other words, when they had a certain expectation, it changed their life in the year and now. That is what he is saying. <clears throat> Let me read it again from the um, English Standard Version. It says, in verse 3, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love that you have to, for all the saints because of the hope that's laid up for you, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. And this word of the truth of the gospel, which is the message of this hope, which has come to you as indeed in all the world, is bringing forth fruit and increasing. Okay, so he's saying here, and he's giving us a key, and, and he's, we can see in the writing of Paul here, how fruit came forth in the early church. They had a message of hope. Now, a message of hope, there's something beautiful about a message of hope because hope, if you hope for something, you immediately are acknowledging your inability to bring it forth. 
because you're expecting, because if it was something you could do now, you would do it. But now you say, I can't. So I'm now hoping for something. And in the Christian parameter, our expectation is for God in Christ to manifest us as undying, immortal human beings in the return of Jesus Christ above all sin, above all death. That is what our hope is. And as this message was preached, wherein Jesus conquered everything that came into the world through Adam, in other words, and the biggest thing that came in, in, into this world through Adam was sin and death. So when Jesus took all sin and the consequences of sin, which was death, unto him, and he was raised from the dead, and then as a human went and sat down at the right hand of God and conquered all sin and all death in physicality, everything that is physical now can have a confident expectation to bear the very same form of physicality that Jesus possesses where he's seated at the right hand of God. And now, since that is our hope where Jesus said, I will return and my spirit will manifest this in you, the only thing we can do is hope. We can just have a confident expectation that that will manifest and be true in our lives. And now what Paul comes and what he does, he says that since you've had this hope, something supernatural was taking place in you. When you got this hope, your life changed in the here and now. Maybe you're not seeing the fullness of your hope, but you're finding a changed life today. And I want to, you know, I went online and I <coughs> read up on some stuff on hope, just from some psychological magazines and stuff. And this is what they say here. <coughs> Having hope is to imagine a positive outcome. And we're just going to talk about a psychological the psychological effect that hope has on a person, and we're going to go back to some scriptures then. It says here that having hope is to imagine a positive outcome. The directive of many motivational principles is to visualize what you want to imagine, what, what you want and imagine positive outcomes so that your behavior is unconsciously structured to create them. So what he says here is, and this is, this is not what I'm, saying you must do, but uh, in normal willpower and trying to create psychologically your own new future, what they say is, and this is also what Buddhism, Buddhism and many of these religions say you must do is, you go and you close your eyes and then you imagine where you want to be one day. Like one person said to me, just see yourself there, you know, and then it will be. <coughs> now what they say is they have found out that there is a certain form of truth to that. That when you, when you think of something positive, that, that somehow that positive thing where you really see yourself in, it, your life is shaped towards that. And that's what they say here. They say that if you cognitively think of something good and have a good outcome, like they say here, you, you imagine something positive in your future, then your subconscious automatically goes and brings thoughts and feelings and emotions to create what you have seen in your life. Let me read it again. 
The directive of many motivational principles is to visualize what you want and imagine positive outcomes so that your behavior is unconsciously structured to create them. However, one does not need to turn into quantum explanation on how this takes forth. I don't want to talk about that now. But it says here that the unconscious thought theory states that we are able to process information to get our brain to work on a problem in a non-conscious way that can lead to bursts of insight or brightness. So what he says is that without God, just human ability, this is the way things work in humans. That if a human being has got hope, he's got a confident expectation of good, even if he makes it up for himself, when he sees that good thing, then the human subconscious mind or the heart or the deepest part of a man goes then in an unconscious way. In other words, not you trying to think it up. Unconsciously, in the subconscious mind, uh, uh, it comes and it starts to work at the problem. It starts to calculate solutions, different solutions in the subconscious on how this problem is going to be solved. And feelings, and, and th then that is now um, brought forth into us as feelings and emotions and those kind of things. And then we start to follow our feelings and our emotions and all of a sudden we get a bright idea and all those kind of things. And that was all on account of you were hoping for something. The subconscious took all of the information that comes to you, be it via the news or via the way people live in town and everything, and process it in a way that is way above your conscious intellect and takes all of that together, gives you dreams and feelings and all those kind of things, solves the problem, and then brings forth emotions inside you to manifest a life that's towards what you were positively thinking of. Now, that is psychologically shown so many times, and people fall into that in thinking then, let me then imagine something positive and then create my life like that, which is back to willpower and law again. So I'm not standing for that, but I'm just trying to show to you how we function. And God has designed us that way. That's why He has come, <coughs> and He, the way wherein He will bring forth a brand new life in us is by showing us a truth about ourselves, which is Jesus. And then that would be our hope our confident expectation. And as that is our hope, our confident expectation, we are expecting something that the normal human being would in his natural mind never hope for. And what we hope for and what we confidently expect, because our hope is not a theory we make up for ourselves, it's actually a, a confident expectation that we have based on facts, which is that Jesus was historically, physically raised from the dead. And since he was raised from the dead and he's seated at the right hand of God, witnessed by more than 500 people at one time, he ate with people, they touched him, they felt him. Um, the way wherein the, G the Hebrew writings was written, they went and boldly proclaimed that women saw him, which in the Jewish time would be a powerless evidence because women they would never say women saw something because they thought that women were just emotional beings that 
had no knowledge about things, and they would come and say, woman saw, showing actually the, the truth of this, because that's just what they wanted to say. This is what truly happened, and we see Jesus was raised, and now, since we are at the conclusion that he became my sin, he conquered my sin, he died my death, and he is now there, an immortal human, above all sin, above all death, and his life includes me. It gives me the hope and the confidence that his life is my life, and that I am, by his spirit, being changed into that life. As I have that hope, not the human mind by subconscious power, but the Holy Spirit by infusing the life of God into my subconscious mind, into my feelings and emotions and dreams, God now works in me both to will and to do, and so God is now bringing forth love and peace and joy in my life, born of God and not of human ability to obey laws and commandments, which actually just leads unto death. Amen. Now, if you're watching it on YouTube, there's a little rewind there. You can rewind that, pray, ask God to explain this in depth to you, and listen to it again. <clears throat> so what Paul is coming and what he's saying here is revealing how this salvation part works. This salvation part works through us having this hope. You can say, but how can you say, how do you connect hope with salvation? Um, and why didn't I copy that verse now? Romans, Romans 5, I, I don't know why, no, it says Romans 8. Did I put Romans 8 in here? I didn't. But <clears throat> we can just go and read it. Romans 8 from verse 24. It says there that the, we are saved by hope. That's what it says. Jesus is the Savior, but the way wherein he saves us is by us, having the confident expectation that God, what He started in when He made the earth, wherein there would be an earth that's full of life, not death, where everything in the earth, be it animals or plants or humans or whatever, will be flooded with the very glory of God, wherein God is the beginning and the end of everything, wherein everything finds their origin and their life, and their existence in the fullness and the ability of God, wherein God brings it forth, wherein God manifests everything, and when he, where He is, what the Bible says, all in all, when we see that, when we see that is our hope, what happens is, the moment we've got that expectation in us, that expectation, because it is the truth, shapes our lives, and we find God saving us from selfishness, saving us from just breaking things and finding no value in people. Uh, he saves us from, one, I believe one of the greatest things is lust and selfishness. He saves us from that when we start to love others and see the value for others. We find that we don't, even natural things, we as Christians, we start to see that God loves the planet, that God, that creation even now waits for the manifestation of the sons of God, where in creation itself will be glorified with the very glory of God. And we start to see by the power of the Holy Spirit, the first fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And we find love for 
everything. We find love for humans. We find love for nature. We start to see beauty in things which we could never see before. Amen. Uh, I, mean, I mean, we can go on and on on the ways wherein we will see this, but we actually start to share in the very life of God. Because as God looks at whatever He created, He said it is good, it is beautiful. Amen. And we start to find that we can now, in this earth, start to share in the life that God has. How? By the hope, the confident expectation. So this hope, and this is what Paul says in Colossians, he clearly states there, let me read it quickly there. He says here, <coughs> We pray for you, since we've heard of your faithfulness in Christ and your love for all the saints, because of the hope that was laid up for you in heaven. And you heard of this hope, and this message of hope believed is bearing forth fruit in you as it is in all the world wherever people hear this message of grace and are flooded with it. Amen. So, <laughs> this is so beautiful. Another example of this in Romans 5 verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained... Um, <coughs> sorry, let me read the King James. Do I, let me just get the King James here in Romans 5. So I don't want to read that translation. Romans 5 here, Romans 5, 1. We're going to see how hope maketh not ashamed, for it's bringing forth the love of God in us. You know, when we have this hope, we will not be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of what I'm hoping for because I'm already seeing the evidence of the fact that this is powerful in my life now for without trying by the law to love people or by the decision of my will to love people, when I've started to see how God has conquered the, everything that Adam brought into this world, he's conquered sin and death and decay and destruction, he's conquered all of that, and Jesus Christ is now the, the, uh, the ruler. He is the Christ ruling over sin and death, manifesting His kingdom and everything about His kingdom in us. As I started to see that, I found that something I never thought was possible is coming forth in my heart, and it is an outstanding love for people. That is what started a compassion for people. You know, wherein you don't just look at, yes, these stupid people is because they do this and because they do that. That's where they, why they are where they are. But where you start to see them as also victims of a wrong belief, we start to see their value. We start to see the, 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 just how God sees them. And you start to feel it burning in your heart. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Glory to God. So, um, Romans 5. Let me read that. That is what he says. Romans is so clear where Paul says, Hope maketh not ashamed, for the love of Christ is poured out in our hearts. <clears throat> it says here, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And we rejoice in the hope 
of the glory of God. So what the Christians were saying is, we, the, the Christian message was not stop your sin so that God can save you and go to, so that you can go to heaven. The Christian message was, listen, God is the one that has conquered your sin. And he's the one that actually conquered death and all decay. And he is, he's poured out his spirit and by his spirit, he is ruling in the earth and he will come back. And in the day that he returns, he will manifest the last part of this victory that he has attained and was raised up into. And now you can be a partaker of that by simply relying upon him and relying upon him bringing forth everything that is in heaven on earth. That is all. The church got it so wrong. We... The closest we've come to it in modern day church is thinking that we must now manifest the kingdom of God on the earth. Thinking, well, Jesus conquered everything, so let us grab it and manifest the kingdom of God in the earth. Instead of having it as a hope where we say we just trusting God to do this and we've got a confident expectation and we are available for this and by simply trusting God <laughs> that way, the early church saw signs, wonders, and miracles, the dead being raised, blind eyes opening, deaf ears hearing, they loving the Jews that were against them and calling them sinners and dogs and whatever. We just found a unity that took place that couldn't be orchestrated by human ability. That, that is what was found in the early church. And here Paul comes and he puts it in words. He says, by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and our joy is in the hope of glorification. That's what he says. And not only so, but now listen to this. This is so powerful. And not only so, but we glory, we even have this glory, this, this joy, even in tribulation, knowing that even should we be be persecuted for this God by this hope that we have will even give us the patience or the power to go through it that it will not affect us for what we are expecting and what we have become part of is an eternal kingdom and it can never end I like what my one friend said he said drought because we've got to go through a strict drought in South Africa in the southern parts here where we're living in Malmesbury area we in the Western Cape going through this drought. He says, but this drought is temporal. And the end of this drought is beautiful rain. And because what is bad and what is dying and sin and everything like that is not eternal. It cannot last forever. But we have now been made part of an eternal kingdom. That is why the love in our hearts can never die. It is eternal. We've now become part of something that God is establishing in the earth that can never end. You know, wicked governments will end. We've got this idea that what is good will end. No, what is good will last, even if it's just in one person. It is eternal. The other things cannot last. That's why God wants us to be part of His kingdom. For doesn't matter how long it looks, these other kingdoms will last. It will all end will not be found in a kingdom that is not eternal but in his 
which is flooded with love and all those kind of things. And then he goes on, he says here, but in all these things, in all this tribulation, and doesn't matter what we go through, patience and everything will be produced in us by the power of God. Not by us deciding to be patient, but by Him. And then he says, patience will bring experience, and ex in this ex experience we have of the goodness of God, our hope will eventually manifest. He says, and this hope we have, doesn't make us ashamed today because today we are already seeing the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. So I want to say to you, that just brings tears to my eyes. <clears throat> the love you have right now for someone on account of the gospel is already the proof of your resurrection from the dead in the return of Christ. It's the proof of your eternal life. And that is why Jesus said, by this shall you know that they are my disciples, by the love, and I put in my own words, that will be born in them from this confident expectation that is in them on me bringing forth life in them. The last page I'm going to read is from 1 John 3 verse 1. It says, uh, in verse 1, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And I don't have time to explain that, but just in short, sons of God actually means to, that we can be called those that share in the eternal life that God has. Therefore, the world knows us not, because it knew not Him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. Okay, so we are the sons of God. But what we shall be, maybe we're not seeing it today in our lives. But we know that when He shall appear, when Jesus shall come back, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Now listen to this. And every man that has this hope in Him purifies himself even as he is pure. Now, we have always read in this way, well, if you're expecting Jesus to come back, you need to start to stop your sin. No. What he says is, in this expectation, there is just a natural purification and a cleanliness and a new life that starts to take place by the power of this recreation that took place in the resurrection of Jesus Christ where we find a brand new form of physicality, a brand new life, which is all God-ordained. That is what it's all about. And now, this hope, as we have this hope, we find that God, as in the same kind of a way as what we would, through positive thinking, try to create a life, we find not our positive thinking and the limited, limited power that, the human subconscious has to solve its own problems, but inside the endless power of God now working in our subconscious mind, by us having this hope, we supernaturally have bright moments of, of how can I say, cleverness or uh, brightness that we could not have uh, smartness that we couldn't have normally, uh, feelings and emotions. We are at the right place at the right time and we don't know why. It's just how it works out. 
I can testify of this. I didn't plan to do this, but I can testify of this. You know, this TV station we're starting in, that's opening up on the 1st of November. I wanted a TV station, and there was one of my friends back then. He wasn't a friend of mine. I didn't even know this guy. Um, and he, he also wanted a TV station, but we don't want the bill. You know, the problem with TV stations is entry level to buy airtime is $35,000, $40,000 a month. That's entry level. Then you're not paying staff. You're paying none of those things. Th that's entry level for airtime. Now, as I was just beholding the resurrected Jesus, having this hope of immortality and the life of God and also an expectation of Him bringing forth fruit in me and those kind of things, you know, there was just this thing that started to come in me where I felt I wanted the station. And there was someone else as well. We didn't talk to each other. We didn't have his, one another's numbers. We didn't know about each other. In the meantime, this friend of mine, three years ago, four years ago, I don't know exactly how long ago, he got a hold of grace somehow. And the way it took place was God led him. You know, God brought him and he got a hold of grace. And as he got a hold of this, this message of grace started to burn so much in his heart that it started to work out that he felt that he also wished that he could have a station. And then he came to me one day and he said, Bertie, you know, I'm actually in your church. I, I regard you as my pastor. And I said, wow, I didn't even know that. He was, he's quite well known in South Africa. I didn't know that. And I was like a little bit impressed. <coughs> and what impressed me was I didn't even know what God was doing with a grace message. You know, and how many thousands of people are hearing it as a direct result of what I've preached, but I didn't even know it. And God was just doing his thing. And then somebody came to him and said to him, do you want a TV station? So one of these people that's got a lot of airtime and, you know, they, the owners of these decoders and whatever. And he said, well, I don't think so, but I can provide some material. He says, but I've got a friend. And let me go and talk to him. And he came and we spoke and we said, we're grabbing this. And now we've got, a television station starting on the 1st of November that will air all over South Africa. I don't pay any airtime. and I charge no one a cent to stream there. And can you see how by, and this is how I believe it worked, by this hope of eternal life, what happened was God somehow in my subconscious and in my mind and in my will and also in other people, that had this good news and has got this good news, started to create and bring things forth that we just felt, he felt to drive in a certain place at a certain day. And things started to work out wherein God is the one that orchestrates everything. That's how it works. Glory to God. And here we find a peace and a sign and a wonder of the kingdom of God wherein I've always said, by grace, without preaching tithing, without preaching sowing and reaping, we can run ministries and things that people are begging for money every day. We can do it for free. It's possible. And here it is. <laughs> I don't know of how many people just offer airtime for free. Whosoever broadcasts there pays nothing. I don't know how many there are. But I know it's possible. How? I don't know. The only way I know it took place was by the birth that takes place 
by the work of the Holy Spirit and God. I end off with this. Don't confuse hope with, I'm just going to heaven. See hope as the glorified human and that it includes you. And as you behold that hope, and as some of these psychological magazines say, as you go to bed at night, picture what you want to do the next day, and then your subconscious will put it together for you. I'm saying, picture who you really are in Jesus, and God will put your life together by the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's how you will find things will, fruit of the flesh will fall off your life, brand new life will manifest in you, and all of it will be God, when we can say, God now is all in all. Amen and amen. I want to thank you so much that you've watched this program. I trust this has really blessed you. I would just like to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that I can stretch forth my, forth my hands towards everybody that's watching and just all of us here in the studio today. I thank you, Lord, that we can have the confident expectation of the resurrected Christ and the God manifesting His kingdom and how confident we feel so bold because we know God is manifesting His things in our lives and we are part of it and we are resting in the very rest of God. Thank you for that, Lord. And I pray for people. I thank you, Lord, like as Paul prayed, that we can have wisdom and knowledge in this understanding in every area of our life. And I declare them blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I want to ask you, if this message has touched you, please share it with your friends. As you feel it, unction in your heart to do it. Right now, go to that share button, share it with your friends. Um, you can share it on your Facebook page, wherever you like. Send it an email to people because this is God's truth that changes lives. Amen. Thank you so much for watching. I'll see you next week. God bless.